Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right. Uh, hey again, everybody. Brand new week uh, here on Yolitics. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Whiteley, what are you uh, having today? You're ready to get right to it, aren't you, man? What, do you got a date today? I am. What's going on? No, I'm actually trying to hurry up and announce what we're drinking because um, I, I don't want to forget how to pronounce this. <laughs> and I just looked it up. Well, go ahead. You lead us <laughs> off, though. What are you drinking, man? Okay, so you stepped away to go grab a beer. Uh, I already had mine here because I, I like to come to the podcast prepared uh, for what we're going to do. And um, I am having, this is from um, the Martin House Brewing Company in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, and it's called a Blood Orange Imperial Salty Lady. Uh, and it is, it's listed as a fruited Imperial Gosa. What's up? G-O-S-E. I, I had to look that up. I did not know. Uh, I would have never guessed Gosa. Are you sure that's how you pronounce it? Gosa. Gosa. Goza. Goza. Like, it's like Rosa. Goza. Um, and I know that you, you know, made some comments about this beer um, a second ago. I haven't had um, it before, but I just, I, I'm. What did you call it again? Are you are you able to what say did that? I, call on, that? I don't on the know what I called it. Oh, well, there were some. Oh yeah, yeah. when you're when you're lady fruit beers. Well, the funny thing is, is you say that uh, this is nine point two percent alcohol Ooh, by volume. Good podcast. This is not a kidding around beer. Uh, what are you having? <laughs> I'm having the uh, the Great Hall Effeweizen from Pegasus City Brewery. Mm, from nice from uh, Big D, and the Great Hall is for the uh, Hall of State. At Fair Park in Dallas, Texas, and I like—I know that because I picked that beer that you're drinking. You're gonna like last me for a while here. I won't have to go shopping. I know. Thank you for this. And uh, by the way, this is um, wow, sour. Mm. It tastes like what are those candies? Sour Patch Kids. Um, yeah, it tastes. It doesn't taste like those, but it tastes like the sour from those. Like that has been like steeping in the beer. Wow. In other words, I really like this. Yeah, good luck with that one, man. Good luck with that, all right? Uh, l- let's get into our, our topic today. We're talking about yeah. what is the largest and most competitive statewide uh, race that's coming up on March 1st. And it's hard to believe, but here we are, uh, you know, approaching mid-February. Early voting mm-hmm. starts on Monday, a week from, uh, what is it? The 14th is when it starts. February yeah. the 14th. On Valentine's so Day. up on Valentine's Day here. So, and hopefully you're registered already because that deadline has now well, passed ask to vote Look, in the primary. I know we're supposed to, to, to speed it up on this. because We have a lot to get to. But do you vote in the primary? Uh, I usually do. do you really? um, I, I haven't always, but I, I usually try to now. Yeah. Because, you know, so much of the decision is made then, yeah. you know, I mean, and 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 like you said, um, this is and it's funny almost to hear you say it. When you said that this is, you know, the largest and, and um, you know, it, it's got a big field uh, for this office uh, that we're talking about. There's a big field running um, because I think that attorney general is one of those slots that a lot of voters just really are not paying that much attention to. People go in, they want to, you know, governor, lieutenant governor, stuff like that. Attorney general's office, that just seems less sexy. And I think a lot of people just sort of like, who's running in that again? Oh, uh, yeah, I kind of recognize this name. And, and what does it, the AG do as well, too? So for people who aren't familiar with it, the attorney general is essentially uh, the state's top cop, the, the, uh, the, the top attorney in the state that will sue on behalf of Texas and will defend Texas in the event Texas gets sued, too. The current attorney mm-hmm. general is a Republican. His name is Ken Paxton. I presume you may have heard of him. He's been in for Two terms. He is a loyal Trump supporter. His name has been in the headlines a lot uh, for reasons which we will discuss in just a moment here. But some of the reasons that his name has been in the headlines has also drawn him three Republican challengers. And that's Mm -hmm. a big deal because most incumbents, especially someone running for their third term, uh, usually doesn't get a challenger because the party's like, hey, we got a good one here that's already run a couple times or two or three times in one. Let's no one challenge this person. They usually have a big organization. They usually have a lot of money. Well, in this case, in Ken Paxton's case, in the Republican race for the attorney general, there are three candidates running against him. Uh, Ken Paxton is the two-term incumbent going for the third there. George P. Bush is the uh, outgoing land commissioner for the state of Texas. He is giving up that seat to run for attorney general. Uh, It's a promotion if he would win that. 
Louis Gohmert is a congressman from East Texas. We'll hear from him in just a moment. And he is leaving Congress after 17 or 18 years uh, to run for this seat, giving up some, you know, two big seats here. And Ava Guzman, mm-hmm. she is a former state Supreme Court justice, a conservative as well, like the other two. And she walked away last year from the state Supreme Court in order to run for this. People are giving up their offices, what are, are likely, you know, offices they could probably stay in for maybe as long as they want in order to. to I kind of think this. that's interesting. I, and I kind of think that's interesting just as an observer and, um, you know, also over the years as a voter, because. Yeah, I think voters sometimes are turned off by by someone who's sort of hedging, you know, and like I'm going to kind of keep one foot in this seat over here while I reach to see if I can get that seat over there. And they might do it in an off year when they, you know, still hold their seat. It is interesting to see people put skin in the game and go, you know what, I'm going to possibly lose everything that I've built up career wise in politics to go after this. That's how much this matters to me. So I think that that adds an interesting dynamic. And I think it also might possibly be making those candidates hungrier uh, and maybe a little bit more aggressive uh, in in their campaigning. And it seems like we're sort of hearing some of that in the rhetoric already. And we are going to hear from three of the four candidates for this race, Bush, Gohmert and Guzman. Ken Paxton did not agree to uh, join us for these interviews as well, too. We talked to them a couple of days ago, but on this podcast, we are going to have uh, someone kind of give us some Republican insight on who might win this race. The race appears to be tightening because no one is at 50% or above in polling. So joining us right now is Connie Burton. She is a former state senator from Tarrant County. She's also the founder and CEO of the Texan online news site, which you can find at the Texan.news. Connie, how are you? Good. Thank you. I'm doing very well. You survived the snowstorm, I presume. (laughs) I did. I always survive those kind of things by just staying inside and, and, you know, not going out. I'm a a warm weather person. (laughs) Rub it in. We have those kinds of jobs where you still have to go in. And uh, yeah, at least the the roads were empty. That's it. There you go. There's a bright side to everything, right? I'm so much of a warm weather person. I moved to Texas for that reason really here here we are i I moved to houston a while back but uh anyways freezing 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 up here yeah i was in st louis for a while and my first day in st louis was minus 13 degrees jeez and i said no way to live yeah so what am i doing here and a buddy of mine just gotten a job in houston at the time so um like days after i started in st louis back in the uh mid to late 90s i called him i said listen if something opens down there let me know i drove from st louis (laughs) to houston for my job interview they, it wasn't a formal one. They didn't fly me in. I, I wanted to get out that badly. I drove oh, to Houston. So, I'm with so you, you were calling in your first week on oh, the job? Within, within days, man. I was, I was ready to go. <laughs> but that's another episode. <laughs> Let's talk about um, the issue at hand here, the Republican race for Texas Attorney General. Um, we saw two polls out recently. I'm sure you saw them too, Connie. One is from... The University of Houston, uh, the Hobby School of Public Affairs down there, and then the others from the Dallas Morning News and UT Tyler. Both of them show that Ken Paxton polls around the mid-40s or so. And just a reminder to our listeners, you have to get at least 50% plus one in order to avoid a runoff and move on uh, to the November general election. So uh, to, to start out with here, do you expect that Paxton is going to go into a runoff with his three challengers? I suspect that he is. Um, You don't get three Republican challengers who are all, by the way, um, very high profile Republican challengers uh, to a sitting Republican uh, office holder uh, for no reason. Um, They smell, if I might say, blood in the water. um, And that's why he's got these three high profile challengers. I suspect that he will be under 50 percent for the first primary election and it'll go into a runoff. That's my uh, that's my feeling about the race right now. And that's never a good place to be if you are an incumbent uh, coming in. And uh, it's also something that's going to cost you. I mean, Uh, We're not used to seeing this, especially in Republican primaries here in Texas where you have an incumbent, but people might already be starting to get sick of political ads. Uh, We've been seeing a lot of those. Yeah, Uh, people do get very sick 
of political ads. It's kind of interesting. You, they actually can kind of play against you at times. Mailers, TV ads. Um, you know, I see people anecdotally, I don't know how much it really sways an election, but anecdotally, you know, people say, if I get one more mailer from them, I'm not voting for them. <laughs> you know? So I can imagine that it's going to be pretty heated with TV and mailers and people knocking on doors with this race particularly. But they're making him spend some money here, uh, you know, even if he does uh, get through this primary and even if he does get through a potential runoff, he's having to spend a lot of money here uh, before he ever gets to a general. Absolutely. And of course, that's a big part of what these primary challengers are talking about. It's like, you know, he um, is going to have a hard time in the general election because of what they, you know, are uh, the issues that they're claiming against him. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so. So that is their fear. They want somebody um, without this, quote unquote, baggage, so to speak, um, that can, um, you know, um, get the money needed to fight uh, the Democrat opponent in the general election. So, Connie, you said that you think that he might uh, land in a runoff. Ken Paxton, the incumbent, might land in a land in a runoff. We're going to uh, let our listeners hear in just a moment from each of the three challengers George P. Bush, the outgoing Texas Land Commissioner, uh, Congressman Louis Gohmert, who is retiring from Congress, been there since 2005. And then, of course, the former Texas Supreme Court Justice Eva Guzman. Uh, we'll hear from them in just a moment. But I'll point out to our listeners that uh, we did invite Ken Paxton on the program. He and his campaign declined to appear. He hasn't been showing up to uh, events and forums with his challengers either. That's a common campaign tactic. Yes. Uh, when, when someone doesn't want to appear with their challengers to, you know, to give them any, any uh, credibility. But th- you said you think it's going to a runoff. Who do you think uh, Paxton might face in a runoff? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's the big question, right? And it's interesting. I, I enjoyed watching each of those interviews because they've all got a different perspective, obviously, mm-hmm. for that as uh, Congressman Gomert said, you know, I'm the one because uh, Ken Paxton is attacking me in his home area of East Texas. And I guess possibly throughout Texas, I'm not really sure on that, but I know that he's targeting uh, Gomer. So, of course, Gomer is saying, I'm the one that's going to get him in a runoff. Um, Now, you know, uh, some polls are showing Bush uh, George P uh, to be the net, you know, the one that he's going to go in a runoff with. But of course, polls are very, uh, as you know, we all get very frustrated with polls because you got to read all the, you know, the way the questions were formed. Who are they asking? You know, I think if you go more to um, specifically, yes, I am a Republican primary voter. Gomer goes ahead, right? So it's all, and these are the games that um, you know uh, the candidates have to play. Uh, you know. Who who is going to be at the polls? Uh, Who are they? We don't know that. And that's why polling tends to be sometimes good, sometimes bad, because at the end of the day, it's who can get their voters out to the polls to vote. So, you know, that's that's where it all lies. Is George P. Bush going to get more of his voters out? Um, Is Gohmert? Is Guzman? You know, she's doing, um, you know, what she was saying during her interview is they're doing a lot of, um, you know, at the door uh, type um, campaigning. You know, will she get more of her voters out? Um, that's the big question right now. So I can't tell you who I think the who will, you know, Ken will Ken Paxton will have in the runoff. But I do believe it will be um, one of the three. <laughs> that's not stepping out so far, is it? <laughs> that's a great prognostication there. I, Good prediction I like how there. You hedge. I'm playing Powerball tonight, Cody. <laughs> Y'all need to have me more on uh, on more often. <laughs> well, let, let's do this. Let, let's go ahead and, and dive into these interviews here. We, okay. we have three of them, Bush, Gomert, and Guzman, as we mentioned a moment ago. Uh, to be fair, we're going alphabetically here. George okay. P. Bush is first up with that. Let's listen. You have the second most amount of cash on hand right now. You are second in some of the polls behind the incumbent, Ken Paxton. But, but Paxton remains the leader far ahead of you, despite his legal troubles. What do you think that says about the Republican primary voter? Well, Jason, first of all, I want to thank uh, you for the opportunity to visit with your viewers uh, to talk about uh, the top composition in our state. And the grassroots reception has been overwhelming. If you look at our endorsements in the law enforcement community, whether it's on our southern border, the National Border Patrol Union, or the over 40 constables and sheriffs that have joined this campaign, 
Um, I, I think it's building to be a successful race. Look, we've said all along, Jason, this would be a runoff between me and Ken. And if you look at the history of Texas politics, which I know you are a student of, uh, when a statewide incumbent gets forced into a runoff, it's usually a bad sign that a majority of Republicans of his own party right now want to change. And so in a runoff, I, I'm ready to be that voice to clean up corruption, not only in the attorney general's office, but in county and local government. That's the role of what the AG needs to take on is to ensure integrity and honesty in our process. But it's, it's a four-way race. How confident are you that this will be a uh, this will end in a runoff on March 1st? You know, this, the, for, the formula is, is coming together to show that this will be a, a runoff, uh, whether it's the endorsements, whether it's the money raising, but more importantly, it's just the support that we're getting in the grassroots. You know, we're in the middle of our Texas first tour, hitting over 50 locations throughout the state of Texas in the last six weeks. It's really, Jason, our get out the vote effort. We have 600 volunteers knocking on over 50,000 doors and 25,000 calls, largely driven by young Texans. That's what's really inspiring about this campaign is is kind of the next generation of Texans having their voice heard. But considering your organization and, and the get out the vote effort that your campaign is is clearly making on this, why do you think the polls still show the incumbent so far ahead? Well, we like the trajectory that we're on. Earlier on, you know, whether it's Dallas Morning News or other polling uh, sources out there, they show that we are gaining ground. And they also show, Jason, that only one of five Republicans know that their top attorney is facing three felony counts and is under FBI investigation. So my message is very simple. You need to fire him because he's under a cloud of suspicion, but you need to hire me because I bring specific ideas on securing border, backing law enforcement and restoring integrity to the top composition. Commissioner Bush, you've uh, talked about the border several times. You uh, on your on your website, you talk about uh, you know wanting to work with the governor to deploy more national guard troops, toughen criminal penalties on uh, drug smugglers and human traffickers, and and finish President Trump's wall. None of that, though, is the responsibility of the attorney general. Well, as land commissioner, I, I made it early on in my process in the Biden administration to start building the Texas wall. And so that's why I worked with the Texas legislature. And I'm proud to report, Jason, that we'll finish on state acreage about eight miles of wall in a highly trafficked area where 200 migrants come across. As attorney general, I think you can use the platform to advocate in the halls of power in our legislature to enhance criminal sentencing for human traffickers and drug smugglers. We are not getting serious enough about this problem when we see that fentanyl now is the cause of one of the largest sources of death in our nation with over 100,000 overdoses of a toxic cocktail. But as AG specifically, I'm the only candidate in this race to propose a mobile prosecution unit to deploy all available legal resources, whether they're lawyers, paralegals, to work with ranchers and farmers to start arresting under state criminal trespassing laws because our county jails, our DAs and our sheriffs and border areas of Texas are totally overwhelmed. I want to ask you about your opponents here, since this is a, a really highly watched race and there are four uh, candidates in the race here, too. Uh, Ken Paxton is going after Louis Gohmert with negative attack ads. Ava Guzman, uh, the former Supreme Court justice, is attacking you, telling us in an interview, uh, among other things, uh, questioning your experience and your judgment and saying you haven't been in a courtroom for decades. Would you like to respond to that? Sure. Um, I've not only been a private attorney, but also uh, an attorney as land commissioner. I brought suits on behalf of the state of Texas and the school children, which are my beneficiary and really the taxpayer's beneficiary, whether it's uh, defending the banks of the Red River or taking on radical environmentalist plaintiff's attorneys under the Endangered Species Act. So a lot of people talk about suing the federal government, but I actually have as land commissioner. I've defended right. the oil and ga gas industry and I've actually won in the courtroom. Here's what, what's interesting to me. I completely understand this, but to point it out to our viewers here, uh, Everyone who's running in a primary with an R next to their name is talking about the border. It sells to Republican primary voters. What cracked me up, before I get back to Bush, what, what cracks me up is that Glenn Hagar, the comptroller, is talking about securing the border. He has campaign ads securing it. I'm like, really? Come on. Come on now. Um, but listening to that, um, he, he likes his trajectory. Bush does there. He says they have a huge get out the vote effort. Uh, knocking on lots of doors. He seems like that that his campaign really has one of those old school organizations uh, that, that that might be you know doing what what so many have done in the past to win. How likely is it that he makes it? Do you think, Connie? I thought 
what I really thought was so interesting about that whole interview is that he said one in five Republicans mm-hmm. know that uh, Ken Paxton is facing these three felony counts um, and he's under FBI investigation. Now, are those Republicans at large? Are those uh, primary? Is that one in the five, the primary Republican voter? Um, you know, the one uh, person in, in in those five that's going to vote in the, in the primary. And if they know about it, um, that's the person that's likely going to be voting for the other candidate um, because they understand as, um, you know, both Guzman and uh, Gomert are talking about how that could uh, be a weakness in the general election, right? Mm-hmm. So it's. I thought that was a very interesting statistic, and I frankly see that to be completely true because there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that a lot of us who are very steeped in politics know, um, and then there's a lot of things that people that are just living their everyday lives and just, you know, kind of hearing things here and there that don't know, and that's no fault of theirs. Um, I don't like that we live in a day and age that they have to know so much about all these politicians, um, you know, because it's hard when you're just trying to live your life, you have a job, you have a family, you know, those kinds of things. And of course, if I may just interject, it's always why I've been for limited government, because the more government gets into things, the harder it is for people to know, you know, all the things that they need to go uh, to know. So uh, that was a little of my own uh, comment there. But, but um, you know, that's it's true. It makes it very hard when there's so much that each politician does these days for the average person to know all the things about every candidate that they need to know. So I thought that was a very interesting statistic. I totally believe it. And and again, that gets okay. Well, all five of those particular Republicans be voting in the primary. You know, if they don't know, you know, if those four uh, out of five that don't know what Ken Paxton is facing, then that could obviously push you know things toward Ken Paxton. Um, it'll it'll you know again as I was mentioning earlier, it'll depend on how much of all three of these candidates get the word out about um, what Ken Paxton is facing. I was just going to say, he's saying it's one out of five right now. Uh, you've got to squirm a little bit here if you're Ken Paxton wondering, well, you know, if I've got three opponents against me, Jason's correct. They're all talking about the border, but they are all also talking about these charges against him, this investigation into him. Do they educate another person out of five or a third person out of five? What Where is that threshold? That's got to be making Ken Paxton uh, sweat a little bit here. I would think so. And I think that's what uh, Bush is speaking to, the trajectory here, right? I mean, there's a lot of, there's three opponents, again, high profile opponents that are all talking about the same things about Ken Paxton. So that's got to do a lot of educating to a lot of voters in Texas and certainly primary voters. That's what they're all targeting um, here. So, uh, you know, I, I'm guessing that this one in five is just general Republicans. I'm guessing that there's more primary voters that know about these allegations, but I don't have any I don't have any statistics to, to prove that. And for people who aren't as, as steeped in politics as we might be here on Yolitics, uh, George P. Bush is the only Bush that is a loyal uh, supporter of Donald Trump and has been for a long time. Our our next uh, interview is with Louis Gohmert. Louis Gohmert is the uh, congressman from East Texas. He represents District 1 over there, Tyler and and, uh, Texarkana, the the northeast quadrant of Texas. Gohmert, for those who haven't uh, seen or may not watch, uh, you know, Fox News and places like that, he is a fierce supporter of Donald Trump, always has been. He and Ken Paxton were friends they might still be, I, I don't know, with this race going on, but they were friends up until this point, and they are probably most alike ideologically. <laughs> Gomert uh, is a late add to the race. He decided to get in at the last minute, and he said the reason he decided to get in is because he thought that the ethical problems for Ken Paxton were just too big to overcome. So here's our uh, interview with Louis Gomert. Uh, I want to ask you first about the incumbent Ken Paxton going on the attack against you here. What are your internal polls showing about whether you would make a runoff? Well, actually, we haven't done a poll since I very first got in, but I know Paxton's got nine times more money than I do, so he's running polling constantly. And for him to go on the attack against only one of the three people uh, that is running against him 
tells you his polling that's going on constantly tells him uh, he is going to be in a runoff with me, and he's trying to avoid that. In Conroe the other day, Congressman, Donald Trump recognized you as a friend who has been with him since day one. You yeah. are a longtime loyal supporter of the former president. But he again endorsed your opponent, Ken Paxton. Uh, why do you think Trump is backing Paxton over you? Trump called me after I announced and said, hey, I was told you were definitely not running. And he reiterated yeah. that when we talked uh, uh, last week. And he had called. And anyway... Uh, he encouraged me to come to Conroe, uh, and so I did. But uh, he's, we're still friends, but uh, the, one of the things we love about him is he's stubborn. He's never pulled back an endorsement, and I didn't figure he would in this situation. But uh, his way of handling that was to give us both a great shout-out. Everyone knows this. You know it. You're, you're practically walking away from a guaranteed seat in Congress. What happens if you don't make the runoff on March 1st? Well, what happens to Louis Gomer? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I never take anything for granted, but yeah, usually one with around three-fourths of the vote. But uh, that's a big difference between me and Paxton. Paxton, well, in my case, I'm willing to risk any political future I have to try to save Texas, because without Texas, no Republican can win the White House. I want to save Texas so we can save our country, whereas Paxton is willing to risk the state and country to save his own skin. Congressman, I, there are a number of issues in this race. We have uh, three or four minutes left here. I want to ask you about a couple of them. The first, your, your record in Congress uh, has become an issue in this race by some of your opponents. Uh, Ken Paxton and Eva Guzman bo both pointing out uh, that you have missed more than 800 votes since being uh, elected uh, initially back in 2005. What do you tell Republican primary voters about that? Well, look, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of votes. And one of them is a uh, approval of the journal, which is the transcript from the previous day. As a judge, I never approved a transcript unless I read it. So that accounts for many of the votes and many of the votes too, whether it's quorum call or some votes, uh, you know, on suspensions are done just so they get us to the floor and can whip up on us and try to get us to vote for something they don't want. Uh, when those are the votes, uh, I'm not in a hurry to get there. I did miss uh, one vote that was inconsequential. It wouldn't have mattered. And I put that on the record. My cousin had died. I was his legal representative. I needed to get back. It was totally unexpected. Um, but he made an issue of missing that, even though uh, it, it didn't make any difference in the scheme of things. But uh, he also has put out stuff saying I'm not conservative. And that just shows how desperate he is and what a liar he is. Because if you look at all the different entities, conservative entities, including conservative review, that rate people, they analyze the bill. They don't cherry pick and say there was something good in this, but then fail to put how bad the other stuff was in it. You have to weigh all those things when you vote. He cherry picks. He's lying. And it just shows how desperate it is. All people have to do is look at the conservative entities that rate members of Congress, and they will know what the people of East Texas have known about three-fourths of them each election, that I stand for what I say I will, and no liar like Ken Pax. Well, what do you expect? He's under indictment from securities fraud. He's about to get invited, indicted after the primary in all likelihood for uh, corruption. So adding lies to him, not just the lies he told in his private life, but to voters, he's desperate. And some of the people that work for him had uh, thought that perhaps he wants to win the primary so that when he gets indicted, he can work a deal with the feds and say, look, I won't campaign. I'll let the Democrat win if you just won't recommend jail time for me. He's putting Texas at risk. Well, them's fighting words right there, uh, Connie. <laughs> uh, now, so, so going into this, Whiteley said, you know, these two guys are friends, or at least they used to be. I'm going to fall in the used to be camp there. You, you've been through politics. You've been through the rough and tumble of this. We've right. seen, you know, odd bedfellows, uh, you know, after, you know, strong words and so forth. But 
That got really personal. Yeah, I was uh, I, I was like, I was kind of doing what you just did woo, when I was watching that. And and what was in my mind so enjoyable is it was just such a <laughs> love, you know, it was just kind of level and just saying what he was saying. But it was quite uh, personal, um, which, you know, because that was what I was going to say on this particular one. What was most interesting to me was the fact that he called him a liar three, maybe four times. I know at least three times. Um, and then brought up lying in his private life, which I mm-hmm. thought was very interesting and wondered if that was going to come up during this. And well, I ex- explain that, Connie, explain that for people who might not know what's going on. Well, Tell us all about that, Connie. Yes, yes. So um, <laughs> there are um, there is infidelity um, accusations, which has been corroborated. Let me explain a little bit more. Uh, infidelity accusations against Ken Paxton as he was a sitting attorney general, um, which with a woman who did work in the Senate. Um, And this has been corroborated by two people, at least uh, in media accounts um, and who have who have inside knowledge and a personal relationship with Ken Paxton. Now, again, those of us who are in uh, steeped in politics know about this. Um, I don't know how many voters out there are aware of this. Um, but clearly, um, this is what uh, Congressman Gomert was alluding to when he said he lies in his private life. Um, obviously, the affair was while he was married. So I'm certain that's what uh, Congressman Gomert was referring to in terms of lying. Um, so this on top of obviously, this is where Gomert is going. Um, he's saying he's a liar. You know, he's got um what uh, again what did he say specifically uh, under indictment for security fraud um uh, yeah and then he indicted for corruption you know i'm you know that's where he was calling him a liar obviously that involves that kind of uh activity and we're going what's going with this and connie isn't he sort of bringing it home for a voter who might not be connecting the dots here because uh, I mean, already Ken Paxton has won re-election while he was already indicted uh, for the uh, investment uh, scheme allegations. Right. Um, so he's already run one re-election before. That's correct. Maybe a voter's not connecting dots here, but Gomert is specifically speaking to the Republican primary voter out there and saying, hey, maybe you haven't read a lot about these charges. Maybe you don't care a lot about these charges, but what's going to happen, he's making the, the, the assumption here, that what's going to happen is, is that this guy is going to have so much baggage, it's going to weigh him down. It's going to force Republicans to start to lose this state and start to lose power nationally. He's trying to connect those dots for voters to say, maybe you didn't care about this before, you should care about this. Absolutely. That's exactly spot on what he's doing. And something that I did not realize, and if I may, uh, I am um, owner and CEO of the Texan News, uh, which is a statewide political news organization. Um, And on that, we have what's called the War Room. And um, we have each of the statewide uh, campaigns uh, on this um, uh, site or uh, news page, I guess I should say, I'm sorry, I'm not. It's, uh, uh, this is your organization, Connie. Come on. It's just yeah, yours. I, was, I, I got off come, there for a minute. The War Room is its own uh, entity within the Texan News, if I okay. may say it better there. And so within that, um, it kind of gives you some, um, a little bit of polling, uh, a little bit of a an introduction to the candidates and what's going on. Something that I, um, didn't realize um, was that Ken Paxton, while you are correct, he won uh, the previous election. He only won it with like 50.6% in the general election. And I was very surprised. I, my, I, you know, I did not realize it was that close in, in our general election that I would say was a no name candidate against him. Now, uh, in Paxton's defense, that was a very different general election than what mm-hmm. this general election will be. And, and, and as we all know, there's so many different things that come into play. At that time, Trump was the sitting president. Um, not only were there many Republicans who despised Trump, but there were, you know, the Democrats were hot, red hot 
crazy um, against Trump, right? So there was a lot, and Beto was on the election against Ted Cruz. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're going into a very different general election uh, than, than that one. But, but um, I would venture to say that, um, you know, that will be used as well against Paxton that yes, he won, but it was only 50.6% of the vote. Um, and, you know, will he be able to handle the general election? That's what I'm thinking that these candidates, uh, primary candidates are going to be say, saying more and more during, uh, throughout this primary season. Yeah. And there, there, that's why the Republicans smell blood in the water. It's why Democrats are running three candidates as well. Right. Uh, just to point out to our listeners, even though Ken Paxton is not on our program here, he has denied the allegations of uh, of wrongdoing with the, the felony securities fraud charge back from 2015. He also denies the corruption allegations, and uh, which has led to the FBI investigation that uh, his <clears throat> seven top former lieutenants have alleged against him. I have not heard if he has said anything about the personal allegations against him, Connie. Has he? I have not heard that. Uh, I have not um, yeah, I don't, heard any. I don't, no. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember that either. Let's get to our our, uh, our last guest on here. It's Ava Guzman. She is a former Texas Supreme Court justice. She is from Houston. You may have seen her ad. She has a lot of those running right now on, on radio and TV. Here's what Justice Guzman told us. I want to ask you about you raising the most amount of money in the last reporting period, uh, even out raising the incumbent, Ken Paxton. But you poll in fourth place. Why aren't Republican voters, primary voters, connecting with you? Those polls don't reflect what I'm seeing on the campaign trail, and they don't reflect the independence of Texas voters. And thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to talk about the most important election in the state of Texas, the attorney general's office. Texas is hiring a lawyer. Texans should hire the lawyer with the most experience the one with the proven track record for standing up for conservative values and the one that will bring integrity to the job on the day one. Well, as far as experience and ideology, that, that's what you're, you're really uh, touting, uh, of course. But it, it seems that, that the voters have maybe moved beyond that. It, it, it seems to be who can out Trump Trump. Voters want someone that can win in the courtroom. I'm the only candidate running that has 22 years experience in the judiciary. And that means I know how to file winning lawsuits. Ken Paxton has failed to deliver results. He's failed to respect the office. He's lost the trust of the people of Texas. I'm a former judge married to a police officer, the daughter of legal immigrants, a mom and a proud Texan. You know what Texans really want? Somebody who will fight against the Biden administration. That's me ready on day one. Justice Guzman, you've taught you have talked about how Ken Paxson's lawsuits have uh, failed in court and how they have fared as well, uh, especially over the Affordable Care Act, the uh, Keystone Pipeline as well, too. Would you have even filed in those cases or would your arguments have been different or what? I would have filed winning arguments. Ken Paxton doesn't know the law. He doesn't know how to follow the law. And that's why he's losing in the courtroom. He also lost seven of his hand chosen staff. Let's just think about that. Break that down. You go out and hire seven conservative, smart attorneys. You handpick them. You bring them in your office. They're doing their job. They catch you violating the law. They catch you committing bribery and fraud. So they say and abuse of office, and they go to the FBI. Right now, as we sit here today, the Attorney General's office is missing the top-notch lawyers that help Texans win in court. I'll bring them back. I'll bring them back on day one, and I know how to win in court. Ken Paxton, for whatever good he's done, his personal indictments, pending indictments, FBI investigations are a distraction to the important work of the people of Texas. We can thank him for what he's done and send him on his way. And we should. As a Texan, absolutely, I believe we can do better. Justice Guzman, you have, what, $2 million cash on hand. How, how do you intend to spend that money over the next four weeks in hopes of pushing uh, Ken Paxton to a runoff? 
if you look at the last reports, 60% of everything we raised has gone directly to voter contact. Contrast that with George P. Bush, no experience, no judgment, 9% of what he raised went to voter contact this last reporting period. I outraised them because Texans know they're ready for real leadership in the attorney general's office. They're ready for someone with a proven track record. They're ready for a conservative, a fighter, someone who'll stand up to Joe Biden and who can do it on day one. And that's me. And Justice Guzman, about 60 seconds left here. I, I do want to ask you, uh, obviously, the clock is ticking. The March 1st primary is closing in. What more do you want Republican primary voters and independents to know about you uh, that they might not already? You're hiring a lawyer. It's time to fire the failed, indicted Ken Paxton. It's time to reject the other two candidates who haven't seen a courtroom as a lawyer in decades. It's time to tell George P. No, we don't need your kind of leadership in the attorney general's office when you haven't even had a law license for the last active law license for the last 10 years. I'm ready to work for Texas. Day one, I'll bring back just by walking in the office integrity. Day yeah. two, I'll restore the type of attorneys that Texas needs in that office. And on day three, I'll sue Joe Biden. You can count on me to do that. All right. Uh, Ava Guzman there making uh, her case of what she'd do in week one uh, if she takes over where Ken Paxton is now. Uh, Connie, um, you know, listening to these three candidates, it sounds like your prediction was spot on uh, that it could be any of them uh, who <laughs> enters into a runoff uh, with Ken Paxton. Uh, all of them like their chances, or at least they say so. Right. Uh, and each one of them has been able to demonstrate at least that they've got, um, you know, support that's growing in one area or another, whether it be money uh, or polls or so forth. How much does Ken Paxton have to be concerned if, you know, once we do get to the point, if he does go to a runoff with someone that the other two close ranks uh, with that uh, yeah. that third person and, and maybe those voters shift to that person? Because it sounds like they, you know, they go after each other just a little bit here, right. but it's that typical sort of politics when they do, you know, uh, the experience isn't there, the whatever's not there. Right. But when they go after him, it is personal and there's some vitriol. Right. Um, right. Exactly. And that's where Ken Paxton needs to be very concerned, um, because if he's under 50 percent and the other three, um, you know, are, are splitting that uh, the rest of it um, after the primary when he's in a runoff. Um, I mean, my guess is and I have no knowledge of this, but my guess is those three are going to want the uh, opponent to beat Ken Paxton because they are all going after Ken Paxton for the very same reasons, as you just stated, right? I think all three of them believe um, that these are a problem for our uh, sitting attorney general to, to have these kinds of allegations and accusations and, you know, against him and that to win in the general, one of the other three needs to uh, be on the, the general election ballot. So um, if that happens, and, and we've seen it. I think you stated it, uh, Jason. Um, it's one of the, the interviews. Uh, I mean, we know that famously that's how Ted Cruz beat uh, David Dewhurst, right? It was get him to a runoff. And then, you know, though uh, the, the in, generally that's how a, an opponent from somebody from a high profile elected official can win. Uh, you're the opponent's um, uh, supporters are generally more energized. Uh, it's an off uh, time uh, election. It's not, you know, the primary day or the general election. It's kind of, I mean, it's obviously its own date. And those people who are so in tune to that particular race in a runoff are generally the opponents uh, of the uh, uh, of the sitting um, elected official. And that's how you beat them. So um, and if you've got, you know, that many percentage uh, that we're all voting for those opponents now together voting for the one, uh, that's where General, uh, excuse me, Attorney General uh, Paxton has a, a real concern on his hands. Yeah. Just for people who aren't students of Texas politics or might not have been around back in, in 2014 uh, or, or 20, when, when did Cruz win? 2012, I think? 2012, 2012. yeah. yeah. Okay. It's been okay. that long ago. No one knew Ted Cruz. No. No one knew Ted Cruz. David Dewhurst, the lieutenant governor at the time, he was he was the, the popular uh, candidate, the one favored to win the Republican primary and, and probably right. go on to the U.S. Senate. 
Um, but Ted Cruz at that time was, uh, he, he would stand around. I remember his standing around forever waiting to go on live because he, you know, he, he was an unknown. That's right. But to your, to your point there, Connie, uh, you know, a lot of voters just don't show up for the runoffs. And mm-hmm. if, if, a, if an incumbent gets into a runoff, an incumbent uh, could really be in danger here. That's Quick true. note on, on Guzman there. Uh, she has 1.3 million cash on hand. She doesn't have 2 million cash on hand. That's George P. Bush who has that. My mistake there. Uh, but she does have solid conservative credentials. She was handpicked by Greg yeah. Abbott, Connie. She did not mention the word Trump once in our interview. Is that why she's not connecting with voters? Do you think is that why she's polling in fourth place at, at seven or eight percent? I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. Um, now, you know, she has been on statewide. I say that I haven't said my my point yet. Um, <laughs> I don't think she has the name ID mm. that Gomert or George P. Bush have. That's what I was going to say. Now, she has been on a statewide ballot, you know, how many times now? Um, So and, and, you know, obviously garnered a lot of votes and beat Democrats both times. So she's got some. But uh, how many people really know their Texas Supreme Court Hmm. uh, justices? Right. Um, Wheeler, Can you can you name them, Wheeler, right now? Go ahead. (laughs) Name all 14, Wheeler. Well, I, Connie was talking. You cut her off there. Let, let's let Connie finish. <laughs> right? So. It is true. I mean, that's, you know, you get down that ballot. And I mean, I think a lot of people could name the U.S. Supreme Court justices, right. but they might not be able to name even two or three Texas Supreme right. Court justices. And the fact of the matter is. That high court here in this state is making a lot of decisions that affect yes. us here. Yes. And of course, yeah. you know, you're going down the uh, the the trail that I always say people stop focusing on federal level. We've got state level and local level that's, you know, has much more impact on your everyday lives. Um, but but, you know, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I know the names, but I couldn't sit here and list off the names of everybody on the Texas Supreme Court either. Well, I could, but I don't want to I don't want to be that guy. Oh, I mean, no. if y'all, do y'all want them in alphabetical? Yeah. in alphabetical reverse. No, no. Uh, so, so yeah. Connie, I want to know, um, you know, we want to reiterate here that, uh, you know, the incumbent here, Ken Paxton, the attorney general here in Texas, was invited to be on this program. Yeah. Uh, he declined, uh, decided not to be a part of this. So we're hearing from his three Republican opponents. Uh, and that's before, you know, he would ever even have to deal with, uh, you know, if he gets to the general, a Democratic opponent. Uh Connie, you've you know, you've been a state senator. Uh, you've run campaigns. Um, is it the right decision for Ken Paxton? I mean, I know that. He, yeah, he's got this baggage that his opponents are talking about here, but it, it's looking like this will go to a runoff. Is it the right decision to sit out? Right. So you're right. I have I run campaigns. I understand it's a strategy. I get it. Jason said that mentioned that earlier too. It's the prevailing wisdom. You don't, you know, legitimize your opponents. Um, and 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 who knows if I was in that situation, would I be doing it too? I, you know, who knows? But as a voter, and as a primary voter, and as somebody that you know hates the political shenanigans, um, I sure wish that he would be partake of these um, of, of, of all the uh, of not only your interviews, but also the debates and forums that are happening. I think people deserve it. And, you know, I always tell I've, I've moderated a few uh, of the primary um, candidates in different parts of Texas during this primary season. And it's been very fun. And I tell every audience that I speak to that iron sharpens iron. And I love the primary process. You shouldn't you shouldn't act like you're above it. You shouldn't get angry that you have primary opponents. That's what our country's about. Everybody has the right to run. Uh, everybody voters have the right to hear your defense of what you have done and why you have done it. And it, it frustrates me as uh, somebody who's very involved in politics, as, a, as I mentioned, you know, just as a voter that these candidates do not partake of it. I think it shows a disregard for the average voter, for you not to uh, get in front of them and um, defend your uh, record. Um, and so, 
it's probably the right strategy for him. Uh, I, I, you know, I think it probably is. It should it be the strategy? No, not for the voters' sake. No, it should not be the strategy. Um, and so I don't, I don't like it when when uh, they do that. And I will tell you to go back to Dewhurst and Cruz. It really, really, really hurt. Uh, Dewhurst when he did that. I mean, I think he finally in the end showed up for one of the debates, but of course Ted Cruz took advantage of it and made a big deal of it. And it kind of surprised me these days that more of these opponents to to these sitting incumbents don't make a bigger deal of that. I'm very surprised by that because um, mm-hmm. I think it you could use that, you know, uh, against these uh, incumbents. Well, that, we'll that, see if history really repeats itself there. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Connie, before we let you go here, uh, w- what other primary races are you going to be watching? Any, any other big ones? I know you'll be watching all of them, but this yeah, this is yeah. the largest, most competitive race. W- which one out there do you think could be a, a, an upset for? Uh, the gubernatorial, obviously. I'm you know watching very closely. I mean, again, uh, it, it's it's you know you've got a, a former state senator and a former chair, uh, you know, the Republican Party. He was a congressman. You know, I mean, these are not no name people that are running against uh, the governor, and and you know, I don't know where that will go, but that's you know it's like whoa this has not happened before right Mm -hmm. and and they and obviously just as i mentioned for this race these high profile people see an opening there for them to to run um i think the ag commissioner race is interesting um very interesting so i'm watching that um and then of course all the you know house and senate races um watching all of them but as far as the statewide those three are very intriguing uh, to me and i'll be watching very closely we'll, we'll check in with you uh after march 1st and see how these things go okay. connie thank you so much for the time as always thank you jason and jason <laughs> thanks <laughs> we appreciate the insight you bet we'll talk to you later i always like listening and, and hearing from connie because she is a former grassroots activist who ran for state senate after uh wendy davis lost her bid for governor back in uh 14 16 i guess 14 is when it was these races are are going so fast here the years are going so fast but that's because the campaign never stops anymore it never ends man the cycle is always going but connie always has good insight because she's still in touch with the grassroots and that's why we like Mm -hmm. calling on her quick reminder before we guys let you go on this early voting starts on Monday, February the 14th, I, I hope that if you're listening to this podcast, if you're interested in Texas politics, that you are registered to vote because that deadline is come and gone. It was January 31st. But make sure you get out and vote. It's always easier to vote during early voting, that two-week period before the March 1st primary. And and, and turnout is always pathetic. So yeah. let's see if we can maybe get that, uh, get that up a little bit because, again, uh, so much of the decision is made here in the very early going. Uh, Thanks, as always, uh, for joining us this week, and uh, we'll do it all again next week.